Well, all right. So I'm glad you're here this morning. We're starting a brand new series. We're going to look at this issue of marriage, that, that marriage really matters, that we, we live in a culture, we live in a time where people teach you and people talk about, you know what, this issue of marriage, it just doesn't matter. This issue of marriage, not that big of a deal. And so I know when you talk to a group this large, there's a lot of people from in a lot of different situations. Some of you would say things like that. You know what? We've got a really good marriage. But you know what? Just like a productive garden needs to be weeded and watered and fertilized and, and all of these other things so that it stay productive. Um, so there's some that ha- say they'd have a good marriage. There's some that would say, well, you know what? Uh, I'm widowed. Uh, I'm single. I no longer really desire, I don't even desire to get married again. Well, you should listen to this series not as a consumer, but as someone that would be able to encourage or support and maybe talk with others. And, and then, you know what, honestly, there's some of you here this morning, and you would say, you know what, my marriage is drifting. And we're drifting apart. Um, we desperately need something to rekindle the romance. We des- desperately need something to cause us or help us drift back together. There's some of you that say, you know what, my, my marriage is holding on by a thread or we've already made the decision to divorce and to separate and nobody really knows what I'm carrying. Nobody really knows what's going on in my life. And you know what, I, I'm hoping and I'm praying that this series, regardless of the situation, regardless of where you find yourself, I am praying that, you know what, this series would speak to you uh, wherever you find yourself. Because as a pastor, let me just tell you, as a pastor, nothing grieves me more than when I see Christian marriages just blow apart and dissolve. I mean, and I've been in restaurants with people. I've met with people in my office and begged them, pleaded with them, said, no, 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 please don't. There are no biblical reasons for divorce in your situation in this. See, See, people have come to believe that marriage is just for my happiness. See, marriage really doesn't matter any longer because, you know what, if she doesn't meet my needs, if he doesn't meet my needs, if I'm not happy, if I'm not as happy as I used to be, then we'll just get out. See, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. A lot of people that think, you know what, marriage is this contract idea. And you know what the contract is? There's loopholes. If, if my needs aren't met, if they don't perform for me, then guess what? I'm justified. I'll just get out. A covenant is this. A covenant is between you and the Lord, and it's, it's different than that. And I find so many people, unfortunately, that will, whether it's family, whether it's friends, that will try to speak into those couples and encourage them to get a divorce and to dissolve the relationship. And I believe that may be well-intentioned, but that is unbiblical, that is hurtful, and that is not helpful. Well-intentioned, yes, because someone can look at you and say, you're just not happy, you're just not like you were. But it is hurtful when you recommend anybody to do something against Scripture. I mean, Karen and I, my wife, we've been pretty transparent and honest about our relationship. And, and I'm telling you what, we laugh and we say, you know what? We have been happily married for 23 years. We've been married for 28. <laughs> our first few years of marriage, I'm telling you, were difficult. And I worry, what would have happened 
if we had just given up on it early in marriage, before we learned some things and learned how to communicate. There's a, there's a survey that was just out, and they took a group of, of couples that were married, and, and uh, they surveyed them, and they all would rate their marriage as, as like a zero. And it just wasn't a good marriage. Five years later, when they visited those same couples again, they found that two-thirds of them would, would say that their, their marriage was good and that they're on the right track. And so, so this morning, I just want to talk to you about this, this issue of marriage. You know, there's, uh, there's foundations of marriage, and we're going to look at four foundational principles of marriage. And then we're also, and then, and, but you know this, right? Marriage is built on trust. It's built on a foundation. There's a story told about Adam and Eve when they first got married. They had some rocky, rocky roads in, in first mar- when they were first married. Uh, Adam, had, uh, Adam had stayed out like all night, and Eve was really mad. They had had this fight, and Adam left the home, and he stayed out pretty much all night. And so he came back in, and Eve was wanting to know where he was and where he'd been. And so Adam looked at Eve and says, don't worry, you're the only woman in the world for me. But still, when Adam went to sleep, she still counted his ribs. So, you know, you just got, you guys, like, some of you are faster. That's how you tell who's smart and who's not. No, I shouldn't have said that. That's how you tell who gets stuff quicker and, and some are a little bit slower. I mean, there are some of you, you laughed immediately and it just kind of like this wave. And you know what? Unfortunately, some of you will not laugh till you get home and someone explains it to you. But... But the problem that we're faced with is this issue that marriage no longer truly matters. Marriage is this. Marriage is only for my happiness. Marriage is only for my needs to get met. And so here's the deal. The number one problem with marriage, the one, number one problem in marriage is what? Is selfishness. Becomes all about me and it becomes all about my needs. And we live in this time where marriage really no longer matters. When you look at 18 to 35-year-olds, they, they view marriage as not a, not a good thing. And they think, you know what? We need to live together first because living together is more valuable than marriage. Because how else will you be able to know if you're compatible unless you, mar- unless you live together prior to marriage? Now listen, I can pull out all kinds of non-Christian secular statistics to show you that it's proven secular statistics. So when a couple lives together prior to marriage, the divorce rate is higher. But it's deeper than that. There, it's deeper than that to where we come to the place to where, where marriage matters and purity matters and holiness matters and, and honoring God matters because there's this blessing that is on your life differently when you honor Him. And the problem is... is we're struggling with a definition. Man, we live in a time where people are redefining marriage, right? Politicians are redefining marriage and what marriage is. People are redefining what marriage is. And, and let me just tell you, just, maybe I don't need to say this, but I'll just feel better if I do, that Fellowship of the Rockies is not a Democrat or a Republican church. We're neither. And that's a good thing. And so whatever comments that I have from God's word about this issue of marriage, I am not supporting one candidate versus another. I am not supporting one political party versus another because honestly and truthfully, the Democrat and the Republican, Republican platform both have ungodly, unbiblical principles. And both have good principles, and both have some good things about them. And so you need to decide about who you vote for and who you support. But we are not a political church. We are not Democrat or Republican. We're a biblical church that looks at his word. And so when you look at this issue of marriage, listen, let me tell you something. Marriage is not something we dreamed up. 
Marriage is not something we thought up. Marriage is not something the government came up with years ago and defined. Marriage is defined by God. Marriage is not defined by politicians, and marriage is not defined by governments. They didn't come up with it. It is not their idea. It was already defined by them out of his word. God was very clear about the definition of marriage. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 24, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. So there's commitment. Let me tell you something. There is something stronger in marriage than love. There is, there's something more important And I know it sounds weird to talk about. I know it sounds weird for a preacher to say. But there is something more important in marriage than love. And you know what it is? Commitment. Because love will come and go. Love will ebb and flow. You know that. Those of you who have been married, you know the marriages that last? The ones that get it that it's a covenant. The ones that had a commitment to one another for each other's well-being and for each other's good. And so God said in Genesis chapter 2, hold fast to his wife, and then they will become one flesh. So God, thousands of years ago, said marriage is one woman, one man. And this is what he said. Jesus, guess what? Jesus affirmed that teaching. Jesus quoted Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 in the New Testament. The the Apostle Paul, we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5. This is the largest amount of scripture that is written about this issue of marriage. And so so Paul affirmed, along with Jesus, the teachings that was in the Old Testament that is one man, one woman. So here's what the scripture says, and we'll talk about four principles, foundational principles but be filled with the Spirit, so there's a command. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. So Paul said this issue when he started off, learn to to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not totally out of control. We're not really emotional. and We're not doing things that we don't realize. We're not saying things that we don't realize we're saying. We are totally in control. Fact is, the Bible says there's some identifiers to when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, which means this, we communicate with each other differently. I mean, isn't that what the Bible says? But the fruit of the Spirit is what? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things. That when you and I are filled with the Spirit, guess what? We communicate with each other differently. Our words are different. The things that we say are different. So four principles. The first one is this. There has to be effective communication. And you know what? As we walk through this, you may evaluate your relationship and just where you are. Uh, But the first one is this, is effective communication. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, he said that if you are spirit-filled, if you are filled with the Spirit, an indication will be the words that you use, the words that you choose. In other words, if you're going to have a successful marriage, you have to understand the depth of the differences between you and your spouse. It's wild sometimes that people don't understand that we're different, right? I mean, I hear this all the time when I, I, I talk to people or just hear people talk, and they'll talk about their spouse, and, and sometimes it's not so good, right? And you'll hear them th- say things like, you know, all she does is complain. 
All he does is complain. I don't understand him. I don't understand her. Um, she doesn't make any sense to me. And, and then she'll say, you know what? He doesn't make any sense to me. And I can't figure him out. And I can't figure her out. And I don't know why he acts the way he does. And she says, and, and he, he says, and I don't know what the, why she acts the way she. Hey, listen, um, welcome to the club. Right? We're different. I mean, we have been wired different by God. We, we are different. We're male and female, and we're different. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts? You know, sometimes the most detri- detrimental thing you do in a, re- in a relationship is tell someone else what they're thinking. Anybody like that? Is that helpful to anybody? When somebody says, I know what you're thinking. I know why you're doing that. That's the most detrimental thing to do in a relationship is to believe that you know the thoughts of another person because the Bible says nobody can know the thoughts of another person. Sometimes not even the person, right? I'm still trying to figure out, if someone say, I'm still trying to figure out what I think about it, which is in him. See, I mean, it's so crazy, but okay, so would, would couples meet and when couples are dating, you know what usually they're saying? They're usually saying things like, oh, it's so cute. We're so much alike, right? Oh, we're just so much alike. I finally met my soulmate. I finally met someone who is like me, right? And then you get, okay, so you remember, you remember in dating that cute thing that he would do or say or she would do or say, and you just thought it was so cute. And then you get married and like you, that's like 24-7. It's not so cute anymore, Right? Isn't that really right? I mean, it was kind of cute when you were dating and you were together, you know, off and on. But now that you're kind of stuck with them in the same house, now then all of a sudden the thing that was once cute, now it's, a, it's annoying, right? See, that, see, that's why they say that opposites attract. They get married and they attack. <laughs> right? And so all of a sudden, you want to start changing each other. Well, I just want, I want you to be more like me. I want you to talk more like me. I want you to process more like me. I want you to think like me. I want you to communicate like me. And all of a sudden, what drew us together were the opposites. And then you get married, and it gets on your nerves, and then you begin to attack. But listen, let me tell you something. Spiritual maturity is this, and just maturity in life is this. Differences are not wrong. Differences are not wrong. Differences may not even be sin. But all of a sudden we get married and because they're different than us and they communicate different than us, what you have in marriage when opposites attract and then they attack, they start attacking over the differences. Listen, differences bring balance to your marriage. Man, can you imagine how boring your marriage would be if you married someone just like you? You wouldn't need the other partner if they were just like you, right? So... This may not encourage you at all. (laughs) The greater your differences, the greater your potential for a great marriage. It was your differences that brought you together. Differences are not wrong. See, God brings those differences, that person, into your life to develop you. And the foundation of marriage... Genesis 127, watch this. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. There's just so much here, and we're just going to move fast. And 
And he created him, male and female, he created him. So a little bit about theology is this, that God has, and I know it's weird for us to talk about, and sometimes it's hard for us to get our mind around it, uh, but God, regardless of whatever anyone tells you, God is not all male and he's not all female. God has male and female characteristics. So two become one is what Scripture says, right? Marriage is this, when two become one, it displays, when it's working properly, it displays the image of God because in that relationship you have both male and female characteristics. It was a lot of Karen and I's problem when we first got married, and it was all me, I promise you. It says, you know, the word says two become one. We just fought over which one would we become. And you know what? I thought it should be me. Because I didn't get this whole idea about differences. I didn't get this whole idea about that if you're different, it's not right or wrong. It's just how God rewarded you. It's just how God created you. When you look at this, you find that this one flesh issue is very important, that a lot of times couples will fight trying to change one another more like them. And so you look at women and you find that, you know what? They got some characteristics of God, right? I mean, when you look at a, a, a female's nurturing and love and care, care about relationships. When you watch a female, how she'll sacrifice her own well-being for her kids, her family, relationships around her. And when you read the Psalms, God was sensitive. God was expressive. God was able to deal with the hurt of others and the pain of others was nurturing and loving. And then there's characteristics of men that are godlike. Protection. Provisions. Providing for a, a family. Given direction. Commitment. Respect. That's why it's so important for husbands and wives to understand that differences are not wrong. It's the way God has wired us, but it's so important for us to be able to communicate on a, on a different level because we, and we, you, we know this, right? We, we think differently. We are different. We process things differently. But here's the problem. Men assume that women think like them. And women assume that men think like them. And we think differently. Listen, wives, do not expect your husband to relate to you like your girlfriend does. You did not marry your girlfriend. <laughs> they are wired differently than you. They are male. And sometimes the number one complaint, if you read studies that, that women have, is, I just wish my husband would communicate to me like my girlfriend does. He is not your girlfriend. <laughs> and guess what? It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have emotion. It doesn't mean that he's not passionate. God has wired him. Guess what? You need those characteristics in the relationship. 
And sometimes men get so con- uh, uh, frustrated with women because women, their wives, don't communicate to them like they do. And so here's what happens. Women uh, choose and women tend to reflect what she feels and men tend to reflect what they think. And in other words, women communicate feelings. Men communicate facts, right? I mean, men are more factual. Women are more feeling in their communications predominantly. I learned this, and uh, we were living in Houston, Texas in August, and, and you know this, in August in Houston, Texas, high humidity, 110% humidity, you know, 110 degrees out, that it's a woman's worst nightmare with her hair. She has all kinds of hair issues that she could work, work hours on her hair, step outside, and it just, it just falls. I mean, I have the same problem. And so, uh, and so uh, my daughters were in a wedding. It was August, high humidity, and so Karen had worked for hours, got their hair, because Brittany was the junior bride, and Amanda carried the roses down for the mom, so it was a big deal. They were young, so Karen goes out, gets the suburban going, and so the way you, you handle this issue in Texas, if you're a woman, you just go from one refrigerated air, refrigerated air place to the next, and you get there as soon as you can, because it will fall. And so she got their hair fixed, she got the Suburban, you put the air conditioner on max, you run it for like 30 minutes, you just get it as cold as you can, and then you run the kids in, get them in the Suburban and all situated, so they headed out for the wedding. Well, the, 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 the radiator like exploded on them on the way and blew steam, which they thought was smoke, they blew steam in, and so a girl's worst nightmare, but, and so they pull over, but don't worry, God, what they said, God provided an angel. And so God provided a couple that pulled over, understood their challenges and everything like that. They had their air conditioning on, so they rushed the girls into the car so their hair didn't fall, because that's the main thing. To heck with the car. Uh, I'm still bitter. but So now they're in this car. They got the air blowing, you know, and the girls are worried about their hair and looking in the mirror. So Karen goes to the gas station. Some other guys push it into a gas station. She calls me for cell phone days. So she calls me at the office and says, hey, you got to come. And you know what? She's communicating. She's communicating feelings. She's communicating what it was like driving the car and the radiator blowing up. And they didn't know if it was steam or smoke and they were going to die. And then then she's like, and I work forever on Amanda's hair. And she said, you know what's going through my mind? How long was the light on? Did the light even come on that it was hot? How much is this going to cost? Where is the Suburban? Where is the car? What is, is it in traffic? Is it not? You know what she's communicating? She, she, she just says, get here. So I got there, you know, and so the reason they know that it was an angel that was there is because when we put them in our car, we turned around, they were gone. And have a chance to thank them. Now, I am in a car with three women, and that's a good thing. And so now that... <laughs> So I'm in a car, and you know what the girls are communicating to me? They're communicating what? Feelings. How they felt. How they felt when the radiator blew and the steam came in. They didn't know if it was steam. They didn't know if it was smoke. They didn't know if they were going to die. They didn't know if they were going to live. Then they got pictures that would be for life, and they didn't want bad hair and the pictures and the wedding and what will they look like, how they correct that. And they're commu- you know what they're doing? They're communicating feelings. You know what I'm communicating? I'm communicating facts. Well, how long was the light on? How much is this going to cost? You know, uh, what happened here? Why didn't you stop sooner? And all of those other things. And so, and you know what they felt? Because I'm communicating facts. They felt like, well, you just don't care more about the car. (laughs) Than you do our hair. And so, you know what's crazy about this? (laughs) What? What did I say? Did I say something? So, and you know the crazy thing about this story? All the women 
they totally get my wife and daughters. And all the men are totally tracking with me, right? There's the difference. Listen, it's not a sign of intelligence or emotion. When women communicate by feeling, men, it's not an issue of intelligence. Whether she's bright, whether she's not as smart as you, whether she's not as intelligent as you. That's how she communicates. It's not an issue of intelligence. Women, when men communicate facts, it's not an issue of emotion. It does not mean that they don't care about you. It, is not, it does not mean they're not tracking with you. They communicate differently. It's not an issue that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. It is an issue that God has wired us differently. God has created us differently. And we spend countless hours arguing. If you could just talk like me, if you could just communicate like me, you'd be so much better. And we need to get, we need to understand it will never happen. I mean, that's why Proverbs says, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. You want to establish your home? Learn to understand your mate. Ask God for wisdom and understand that, well, what Philippians 2.4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. The number one problem in marriage is selfishness. If marriage is about your happiness, your well-being, people meeting your needs, marriage will never really matter to you. And you'll go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship. And you know what's happening? You're expecting a person to give you what only God can give you. And that sets up everybody for failure. No person can meet all your needs. I'm sorry. No one, only God, can meet all your needs. And you pray for, man, you pray for wisdom and you pray for understanding. And so it's effective communication, but it's also effective worship. Singing in verse 19, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And he's talking about having a spirit-filled life to where it changes in the relationship of and you have this spiritual connection, and the spiritual connection so many times is so ignored in relationships and misunderstood. And listen, my heart breaks for people in this church that uh, have met Christ after marriage or married someone that didn't follow Christ or whatever, and, and they attend here alone. I mean, they just wish that they had a wife or a husband cared about God that cared about his word that they could just worship with and this issue of worship you know it's just not someone saying yeah I believe in God it's deeper than that where there's evidence in their life and how they handle their family and how they handle their situations and, and Jesus said that this issue of worship that, that when you worship me that if if your mind is far from me and you're reading through the bulletin or you're going through your to-do list or you're figuring out what you're going to do or you're thinking about this, you say, your worship is in vain. 
It's when you're connected, spirit and truth. It is more than someone saying, yeah, I believe in God. It's where there's evidence in their life. That's why students, you don't date someone who does not know him. And I don't care how hot they are. Because I'm telling you, there'll be a depth of your relationship, there'll be a depth of your marriage that will be missing. Because you can't talk about spiritual things. I mean, the scripture is so clear about, I mean, let me tell you, the first five years of marriage, I know this sounds weird, but Karen and I could never talk about scripture because of me. You know, we'll look at it later. You know, the word the Bible says that we are washed in the word and that men should share scripture with their wives and be in scripture and all that other stuff. Well, I'd wash her with the word, but I used a high pressure. I'd peel paint off. <laughs> and she'd read the Bible and she's communicating feelings and she's communicating emotion. And you know what I'd do? I'd tell her why she was wrong. That's not good biblical hermeneutics. You're taking that verse out of context. That'll never happen. It wasn't like that. And you know what I was telling her? I was telling her she could never be as spiritual as me. She could never hear God on her own because I'd tell her why it was wrong. And you know what happened in our marriage? She quit sharing scripture. She just shut totally down. And we missed that element. I mean... I remember a time when it all came home to me about five or six years ago. Maybe it was seven when cell phones were just becoming popular and Karen got her first cell phone. And I think that was before they had the Renew Every Two and the insurance and all that other stuff. And we bought a cell phone and she had it at home. And so she's talking on her cell phone while she's doing dishes. And by the way, I'll just process out some more stuff, I guess. But her cell phone's been in every body of water of our house. I mean, every body of water. I mean, from the dog, anyway, the dog bowl on up. Anyway, so she's talking on her cell phone. She has her cell phone like this, and she's doing dishes, and it slips out, sinks to the bottom. And it took her a while to get it out because she had to fish around and figure out what's a dish, what's, you know, what's a cell phone, you know. And so she gets it out. It was a Wednesday night, so she's on her way to church, and so, you know, she hadn't told me yet. And so she comes to church, and and uh, so after church, I'm, we're in the foyer, and she says, Charlie, I, I just want to let you know, I know you're going to be mad. You know that talk, right? I know you're going to get mad. Well, when someone tells me I know you're going to get mad, hello, I'm already mad, <laughs> right? I mean, I am mad right now. I was not mad before you said that, but guess what? I, Charlie is mad now. And she says, I don't want you to worry. She says, I dropped the cell phone in the dish. What? She says, yeah, in the water. It, I, I said, how long was it there? Facts, right? She goes, yeah, but, you know, I was talking to my friend. The bad thing is, I, I just, it's like I hung up on her. I hope she's not mad. I said, what do you mean I hope she's not mad? <laughs> how long was it there? And so, you know, I, I grabbed, she had the phone with her. I said, let me see the phone. You know, you open it up, and the red dot says it's been in a body of water. Man, that thing's like, it's glowing. It's like on. It was in there. And she goes, but I don't want you to worry. She said, Bev Allen and I took it in a classroom. We put it in the center of the table. We laid hands on it. We, pr- we prayed over it. And God's going to heal my cell phone. 
in the morning, I'm going to charge it overnight. In the morning, I'm going to, 7 o'clock, I'm going to turn it on, and it's going to be fine. I mean, what do you mean God's going to, that's an electronic device. You think God's going to heal that cell phone? That's nuts. That's crazy. And even if he does, it'll never be right. It'll never work because it's in water. It's just, it's just a fact. And she says, I don't care what you say. God's going to heal it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so unfortunately, it just, you know, I kept making comments throughout the night. So the next morning, I got up, went to, went to the church office, and I'm here. And so my cell phone rings, and I look, and call her ID. It's her cell phone. <laughs> I had a couple of options. One, I says, I'm just not answering. <laughs> Two, I thought about answering, just go, ah, yeah, ooh, ah, you know, that. <laughs> And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm really mad at God. I said, God, you're so not funny. This is like nuts. So I go, hello. And Karen says, do you hear me fine? I'm like, yeah. And then I'll never forget what she says. She said, uh, I, wanted your, I wanted to call you first on my healed cell phone. Now I'm calling Beverly so we can celebrate ye of little faith. Bam. Well, to where it didn't even end there, to where that night we're going to bed, and Karen's like, I'm plugging in my dead cell phone now. I'm telling you, and listen, three things God has used in my life to spiritually form me, to develop me. His Word, His Holy Spirit, marriage. It's in marriage you learn how to forgive. It's in marriage you learn how to reconcile. It's in marriage that you learn how to take biblical principles and look not only on your own interests but someone else. That's why people bail out of marriage so much. Because God is using that other person to spiritually form them. And they may not be putting it the right way. And I get that. That's why so many people go from relationship to relationship to relationship thinking, you know what, it's the next person. And we've got to learn to communicate, and we've got to learn just a spiritual attitude. Husbands, I mean, do you share Scripture with your spouse? Do you pray for them? Do you encourage them? Do you, I mean, Karen, I, it's worked years for me to, to build trust with Karen again that she could share Scripture with me. And we life journal together. And you know what? We don't have a set time that we gather around the table and hold hands and sing kumbaya. And then go through our last. We don't do that. We do what Deuteronomy says to where we, as we're going. Talk about a scripture. You know what? In this situation, we, we ought to apply this scripture. We ought to do this. Do you pray for your spouse more than you pray for you? third one is effective gratitude giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ I mean do you have an attitude of gratitude are you thankful for your spouse do they know you're even thankful for them or, or do all they hear is how wrong you are and you need to think differently and communicate differently and talk differently and, do they even know that you're even thankful for them. And when I, I do premarital counseling, and there's a couple of questions on there that are my favorite to where, uh, especially with young couples, to where 
you're getting to see if they have realistic expectations of marriage. And two questions is, is one is, could anything ever happen to where you question your love for your mate? And they always answer yes. I'm like, that's so sweet. You're so deceived. You know it, those of you that have been married a long time, love ebbs and flows. There are some things that we can go through in life that can make us question our love for them. Or if we married the right person. Another question is, is do you think the romance in your relationship will ever fade? <laughs> They always say, no. <laughs> Wait till you have kids. <laughs> Does your spouse know? Are you more thankful for them today than you were when you got married? I'm telling you, gratitude, being thankful... It changes relationships. If all they hear, how wrong they are and criticism, you're going to break them. Real quickly, this, uh, seven ages of a married cold is in this um, Saturday evening post. It, it reveals the reaction of a husband to his wife, uh, of a wife's cold during, the, during marriage. So the first year, she gets a cold. Sugar dumpling, this husband talking to her. Sugar dumpling, I'm really worried about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle. There's no telling about these things with all this strep throat going around. I'm putting you in the hospital this afternoon for a good checkup and a good rest. I knew the food is lousy, so I'll bring, be bringing in your meals from our favorite restaurant. I've got everything arranged with the superintendent. Don't worry about it. She gets a cold second year of marriage. Listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. I called Doc Miller and asked him to rush over here, and now you go to bed like a good girl, and please, uh, just for me. Third year, she gets a cold. Maybe you better lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy. I'll bring you something to eat. Um, have you got any canned soup? Fourth year, gets a cold. Now look, dear, be sensible. After you've fed the kids, washed the dishes, and finished the floor, you might want to lie down. Fifth year, why don't you take a couple of aspirin? Sixth year of marriage, she gets a cold. I'd wish you just gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal. <laughs> Seventh year, for Pete's sake, stop sneezing. Are you trying to give me pneumonia? <laughs> Are you more grateful for your spouse now than when you were when you got married? The last thing is this, is there has to be effective leadership, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I'm telling you, that all this means in Scripture is this is that you have the same goals, that you line up together and you're in this together. There is commitment in the relationship. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, and it's, you know what, we've been through some difficult seasons of marriage and we've worked through them and we've been married 28 years and I cannot imagine what would have happened if I gave up in the first five years. I am so thankful she didn't give up in the first five years. And you know what, I know some of you are in difficult situations. Some of you have been abandoned and some of you, some horrible things have happened to you, whether unfaithfulness of a spouse and all of those other things. And boy, I am so burdened for you. (coughs) 
And here's what I pray through this series, that we look at marriage realistically and we make correction where correction is needed. And we trust not emotion and we trust not the political system and the government to define marriage for us. I mean, Saturday night I had a couple come up to me and they said, we just cannot believe we were here tonight. Uh, We've been married 23 years and this is our anniversary. And I went, ah, that's so great and everything. And they go, no, wait a minute, you don't understand. And he looked at me and said, you're 22. I had an affair on her. And she started crying. Then he started crying. And he said, we have worked this last year. Rebuilding trust. Rebuilding our relationship. And it's amazing what God has done. I'm telling you. Wherever you are, you can reverse the trend. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? Maybe you just need to look at your relationship and say, this is where we need to improve, whether it's in the area of communication, whether it's in the, communi- the area of, of just worship and, or gratitude or just leadership. And I would ask that you would just allow God not emotion, but you would allow God to speak to you. Regardless of where you are. I'm telling you. I've seen God do some unbelievable things in marriages and relationships. And he desires to do that for you.